You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hello, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to a very Sideshow Con New York special edition of the Comics Hall. We're going to be covering for you guys a very quick look at some of the releases from this new Comic Book Wednesday, but we've got a very special New York-themed segment uh, for your viewing and listening pleasure. Uh, we do have a moderator in the chats with us this week. Yes. Say hi. Uh, <laughs> hi. Yeah. As per usual, we are live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group and Twitch. Uh, so just holler in the comments. That is our lovely mod, Cassidy. Uh, so she will be taking your questions and 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 comments and concerns as we go through this uh, show. But uh, Paul, do you want to kind of give people a hint or or just dive right in? Let's get right to it. Uh, what, first of all, happy day two of SciShow New York on everyone. I hope you guys are having as much fun as we are. But let's get right into the news uh, because we got to get started on this talking tour. Uh, first and foremost, this week Warner Brothers has announced that they have acquired the feature adaptation rights for the comic series Black, uh, published by Black Mask. Written by Kwanzaa Osajefo and Tim Smith III, the series is set in a universe where only black people have superpowers, and a young man discovers that he is part of this extraordinary legacy, but a secret organization is trying to control the use of these powers. Brian Edward Hill has written the script for the adaptation, and the project is currently looking for a director. Also, Aftershock Comics, responsible for titles like Animosity, Lonely Receiver, Join the Future, and Witchhammer has announced that it will be merging with television production and distribution company Reeve Ghosh, resulting in Aftershock Media. The company will focus on, oh, sorry, I just lost my notes here. The company will focus on producing Aftershock's, Aftershock Comics library of properties, including the Kaiju Score and Undone by Blood, which are both in development for the big and small screen. The merged entity also hopes to explore not only television and film, but also narrative podcasts and even gaming. Um, and of course, Aftershock will continue to publish comics. Next from Marvel, it is out with the young guns and in with the Stormbreakers. Marvel has announced the debut of its new, uh, newly named Talent Spotlight program that focuses on the next generation of elite comics artists. Their inaugural class does include Josh Kassara, Pat Gleason, Natasha Bustos, Peach Momoko, Juan Cabal, Iban Coelho, Carmen Carnero, and R.B. Silva. Now, these are all names that you may have heard of before because this is replacing their young guns program and is not supposed to highlight brand new artists. This is rather focusing on underserved artists who are making a name for themselves and doing great work, but maybe don't get the spotlight and acclaim that they are used to. And as some people may have noticed, the name is taken from Beta Ray Bill's hammer because it is symbolic of a period in which Marvel took exceptional risks and really trailblazed and revitalized their comics offerings. So that I is... I didn't even realize that that was the same as his hammer. I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's Marvel's Stormbreakers. Finally... Nice. Just announced yesterday, uh, HBO Max will be developing an animated uh, series of the runaway hit Boom Studios comic Lumberjanes, which was co-created by Noelle Stevenson, Shannon Waters, Grace Ellis, and Brooklyn A. Allen. This is very exciting, as uh, 
Stevenson kind of cut her teeth show running on Netflix's She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, and she will serve as writer and executive producer for the series. Uh, Lumberjanes does follow a group of five friends who meet in a fateful summer camp called Miss Quinzella Thisquin Penny Quickles Thistle Crumpets Camp for Hardcore Lady Types. Uh, and they nice. quickly discover that beyond the uh, supernaturally difficult to say camp name, the forest that surrounds their camp is... Uh, plagued by supernatural occurrences so it is a very fun animated it's going to be a very fun animated series but it's a great uh comic book series lots of uh fun female representation and lgbtq content as well uh, and so this will it will launch as an animated special that will then follow into a series yes uh yeah guys so that'll cover it basically for the week of october 7th uh 2020 if there's any news or anything you missed or think that we should know let us know in the comments we'll you know i mean we'll definitely read it we obviously we can't go uh backwards and re-say everything but um i think this is a good time to move on to our next and most competitive panel <laughs> our next our uh, segment i'm sorry yes. which is the panel of the week Every uh, week, the panel of the week, we choose a theme and we go to you, the viewers and listeners, to help us decide, put our egos to the, to the side and uh, help pick which panel best exemplifies the theme. This week, in keeping with our convention, uh, but specifically in a New York theme, we were challenged to pick our most New Yorkiest Marvel Comics panel. So, Paul, do you want to explain which one you picked? Yes, I chose the amazing I, uh, my my panel is from amazing spider-man number 655 for those of you that have been following that's the uh no one dies uh arc there and this is written by dan slot and art and ink by marcus marcos martin colors by Munsta vicente um this is an incredibly beautiful panel i love how small you, in the top left corner there um you can see Peter Parker just standing on a water tower overlooking New York. There is an, a, a wonderful array of different colors and size uh, and, and literal depth to a lot of this. And it sort of shows how small Peter Parker is, but how important he is sort of to this entire city. And that's why I chose this. I love this panel so much. <laughs> I went with something a little more humor filled uh, for my panel pick, a character who has had her own feature. Uh, I did dominate that week, but uh, I wanted to go with something a little She-Hulk. Uh, so this is from She-Hulk number nine from 2005, written by Dan Slott with art by Juan Bobillo and colors by Chris Chuckry. Uh, nothing quite says New York to me than... Uh, more so than She-Hulk hailing a, a cab and then ripping the door off. Uh, the resultant panel, of course, <laughs> is the taxi speeding away very angrily, and it just kind of encapsulates the the fast attitude and the um, <laughs> the what can go wrong in in the in the city that never sleeps. Uh, yes. So I thought it was it was a little funny, uh, but you, the viewers. And listeners decided for us in our Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, and it was almost a landslide victory. Right. Yes, for. Um drum roll on a water tower <laughs> the not on was, the taxi door was mine uh thank you so much amy uh broom to clean up the confetti you, you know where it is i think we're, it's too and we're recycling that confetti for your birthday by the way happy, yes. happy new comic book day and happy birthday to to paul of the comics hall <laughs> thank you so much uh oh thank you for the the double confetti that's just more confetti amy has to pick up so um i'm fully convinced that amy just let me win as a uh as a birthday gift but thank you guys all so much for voting of course we will be putting up our uh, next week's theme and uh, poll in the Let Your Geeks Head Show Facebook group. Yeah, and and whether you're watching live or or joining us in the podcast format that does go up on Thursdays on all your favorite podcasting platforms, uh, you guys are welcome to join in and vote for the panel of the week. We always launch the panel of the week on about the Monday before our show, so there is time mm -hmm. if you go to uh, Sideshow's official Facebook 
group. Now, we're going to do a little flipperoo. We're going to do our rapid fire round that will cover the books that came out this week, but we're not going to aim them for you. Uh, yes. We're going to just let you know what we picked up before we hitch a ride on our talking tour of Marvel's New York City. Um, so I'll kick it off. In my poll list this week, I had Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number 18, from nice. Boom Studios. And also, we only find them when they're dead, number two, from Boom Studios. <laughs> I also got DC Young Animals, Far Sector, number eight, Image Comics, Adventure Man, number four, as well as Decorum, number five, and Die 14. And then from Marvel, I got Black Widow, number two, Miss Marvel, number 15, Marauders, number 13, which is chapter five of the Ten of Swords event, and then Thor, number eight. Now, now I I know you said like no interruptions because we have a show to do, but are you are, are you trying to do the whole X of Swords event, or is I this had, like is this just a coincidence that it happens to be? I didn't get uh, uh, chapters three and four are also out today in X Force thirteen and Wolverine number six, I believe. But oh, I right. am not picking up all of the chapters. I'm only going to be I'm going to judge <laughs> based on how difficult it is to understand what happened in Marauders because that is the fifth chapter. Oh, right. and if and if I if I really need to, I will go back and get the others, but I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah. It, it sort of worked out because I'm reading X factor. I'm reading Wolverine, but I'm not reading Marauders and everything. I was like, we've both very clearly said on a previous show, we're not going to do the event and we're still kind of dipping our toe <laughs> with our powers combined. We'll figure out the whole mystery. Yeah. Between us, we'll get it. Um, so, uh, in my pool this week, I've got Batman number 100. That is the end of the Joker war. We've also got justice league number 54. That is, uh, the second part of the justice league's arc in the dark Knight's death metal story right now as, uh, Wolverine number six. I'm reading Deceased Dead Planet number four as well. Decorum number five. We only find them when they're dead number two. Black Widow number two. Adventure Man num uh, number four. Spy Island number two, which is a book that uh, if you can, please go read that book. It is hilarious and I love it so much. And also Lonely Receiver, another book that I love so, so much, but not hilarious, like the opposite end of the spectrum. Very serious book. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for my pool. I think it was, you, you had a pretty big pool this week. Normally, like I, you know, I, I kind of trump you and just the the random stuff that I'm I'm reading, but you had a pretty yeah. big pool this week. This is, a, this is a solid week for sure. But uh Rather than describing those books to you this week, we did want to keep it to a, a, a New York con theme. And we did previously do a convention-focused episode if you want to check mm -hmm. out our summer uh, Sideshow Con episode back in July. But this time, because we can't be in the Big Apple, we did want to kind of do a love letter to that with our Comics Hall official talking tour of Marvel's New York City. Uh, because Marvel, very specifically, is the world outside your window, and they have... Uh, very much place themselves inside of New York City. So we did want to take you guys around and kind of introduce you and, and maybe re-familiarize you with the very famous locales in New York City mm -hmm. and who lives there and, and why you should visit them in the comic books. Yes, um, and it's it's actually kind of great that we both got these little mics because we could be on a double decker. But if everyone just you know let's just set the scene, we're on a double decker bus. Everyone's got their cameras and their they, maps and, and, and their maps um, and their comics hall swag, um, ideally, and uh, all of you know the praises for my panel of the week win. So thank you guys all so much. So let's let's kick this off. Uh, we are going to start in a little old place called Brooklyn. <laughs> where you know you may have heard of it so specifically with brooklyn uh we are going to take a look at 569 lehman place which is the house uh i guess i can say if you look on your right you'll find 569 lehman place which is a house that captain america lived in for many many years uh mainly 
through the Silver Age, once it sort of got toward, I guess, what you could call more of the modern age of comics, he's, it wasn't so much about where Captain America lived as he was more uh, – he always found himself kind of living at wherever the Avengers were stationed, but he also doesn't live anywhere too, you know, very long. Uh, but yes, here at uh, 569 Lehman Place, this is as close to Cap's uh, base roots as you're going to find. And we want to sort of also suggest a comic that can kind of put you in the locale and in the mindset of the character. So if you really want to read something absolutely fantastic that'll get you in brooklyn but also in the mindset of captain america please 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 read captain america by uh ta-nehisi coates lentil uh Liniel francis Yu, and adam kubert i did not realize how much incredible talent was on this book because i i picked it up and i started reading it uh a couple months ago on marvel unlimited and i was like oh it's really great but i didn't realize like how all of these people are so they're just heavy hitters on their own right and then they came back for this mm-hmm. book um and we also have uh, an art print available on uh, sideshow.com with uh this exact oh this this cover very neatly wrapped in a beautiful alex ross cover that yes. is it is available from our fine art print program as a uh lithograph hand signed by ross himself with a mm-hmm. certificate of authenticity that's beautiful uh but we're not done with brooklyn yet are we amy no, we are not. So if you happen to find yourself in Bed-Stuy uh, in Brooklyn, New York, you might run into another Avenger who, you know, is just like the common people. He's just like us. He drinks his coffee straight from the pot. He feeds pizza to his dog. And he runs around New York City with a stick and string from the Paleolithic era. That's right. It's Hawkeye, everybody's favorite uh, <laughs> guy who looks like a, he looks like a pretty normal guy. You know, yeah. actually, it, it, it'd be uh, hard to recognize him on the street. Um, oh. And that's exactly what uh, that comic is all about. We are showing you. I don't have the exact street address, but what you are seeing is Clint Barton's apartment building. Mm-hmm. Um, Bed-Stuy is the home of his apartment building in which he first lived as a resident, and then he bought the entire complex in order to protect his neighbors from the mafia. It's also been nicknamed, very famously, the Fortress of Solid Dudes. Uh, there are at least four stories to the building and about eight apartments, and there are regular potlucks on the roof if you're looking to meet. That really tickled you, didn't it, Paul? <laughs> I didn't know that. I'd never heard that before. It, it was from uh, Matt Rosenberg's uh, recent run. Oh, okay. I was I'll... like, I got to put this one in. I was like, um, I've never heard that before. That's incredible. <laughs> If I had made that up, I would be very proud. But no, that is uh, Matt Rosenberg in the latest Hawkeye Freefall. Um, But there are regular potlucks on the roof if you're looking to meet the neighbors. Um, And if you want to learn more about Clint Barton and how he acquired this Bed-Stuy apartment building, or if you want to know how he met Pizza Dog and he fought off the tracksuit Draculas, you're going to want to read Hawkeye Volume 1, My Life as a Weapon by Matt Fraction and David Ayah. This is one of the most iconic books of the the modern Marvel age, first published in 2012, and it is a character-defining series. So you'll want to check that out if you're you're in the neighborhood of Brooklyn, if you're hanging out with Cap, and then you want to stop by and see hawkeye oh yeah and um i mean that would be a fun like what an interesting dichotomy that would be from going out from like from hanging out with captain america mm-hmm. to you know what is it the fortress of solid dudes fortress of solid dudes i always just think of clint with his coffee pot and he he just says oh coffee no like he's just so disappointed by the by the drinking it straight out of the pot now do you think he ever mixes his coffee with his like an arrow like when he's not you know paying attention oh, absolutely it's i mean i think happen, he would do it right? when he is paying attention that's yeah that's i mean a- i 
That's a solid Clint Barton move. <laughs> Total. I mean, yeah, I and mean, what a life that dog must have. Well, you know, it's got its own place, pizza. I'm sure it's had some coffee. Lucky the pizza dog is one of Marvel's uh, greatest treasures, quite honestly, along with Jeff the Landshark, who is also a Hawkeye pet, but the other Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. Uh, um, fantastic. Now, before we move on to uh, the rest of our talking tour, uh, the Comics Hall brought you guys a little present. So we for it your is your birthday <laughs> for my birthday. I brought you all a present. Uh, it's reward code time. If you now, if everyone will please go to side.show forward slash reward code and enter Comics Hall twenty. That's C O M I C S H A U L twenty. Um, that's Comics Hall 20. And again, the first 2,000 people to enter that code will receive the reward. Ooh. So, yes. Um, and then we'll give you all a moment while we transition ourselves out of Brooklyn to Manhattan while you claim that reward code. Let's see. Uh, make sure we've got 45. Okay, everyone's here. Every, everyone's here. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. And then Cassidy, uh, our fantastic moderator, will drop the uh, the code again in the chats, and she will also let everyone know uh, the website you can go to. Again, side.show forward slash reward codes and enter Comics Hall 20. First 2,000 people. Go, go, go. All now, right. we're going to be taking a trip across the bridge. As you guys know, there are many neighborhoods within the larger areas of New York. So Manhattan covers a large spread, and Manhattan is actually Marvel's kind of capital. That is yes. where you can find the most superheroes per block. Uh, so we will be 100%. taking a trip through several specific neighborhoods with very iconic residents. Uh, None. Paul, Paul will get us started. None more iconic than what I've got right behind me, if everyone can see it. And I know Chris will put it up in a second. So uh, we are going to take a little quick stop at a place known as 171. I think I always say 177A Bleecker Street, um, but it is the home of Dr. Stephen Strange and uh, the largest collection of uh, esoterica and mystical phenomena in existence, but also known as the Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, it is no, you know, there's really no lying about it. Doctor Strange is my favorite character, so I made Amy like, "Hey, I'm t I'm taking this one because I love it." I also uh for my for my birthday, I also got some really really great um Doctor Strange stuff. And I wish I could show you guys, but these backgrounds don't kind of bode well when you're showing stuff to a camera. But let's get into a little bit of what you might expect if you find yourself on 177A Bleecker Street. Uh, if you go there now, it's a uh, bodega, I believe, right? I mean, it exists it's like as a, a deli. Bodega. Yeah, it's like a. It's like a deli or a bodega. And what's actually really interesting is some of the creators and editors of Doctor Strange at the time actually live there above the bodega uh, at the time, which is why they use that as an example, because it was being, I believe, destroyed. So it's like, oh, no one's going to really fact check us because it'll be destroyed. I mean, who's going to fact check us? But um, I, I absolutely love the same thing to him. It is in its right. I think maybe more, I think it might be the most like, as far as an inanimate object, I mean, it's not really inanimate. It is kind of living, but it does, uh, it's a character in its own right. You know, it's not just the home of Stephen Strange. It really is an incredible place. Um, this Now, a little backstory I wanted to give you all on the Sanctum, the Sanctum Sanctorum is the site continued, the site was in its, you know, way, 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 way back when, uh, in arcane Native American uh you know, ritual site. And then in the current times, it sort of became a place and a dungeon where they would keep witches. 
And then eventually, once it was destroyed and it was built, they were begging people to buy the property because they just couldn't sell it. And of course, the one Sorcerer Supreme bought the place um, cash. I don't know if he bought it cash. I don't know if Stephen carries cash, but um, <laughs> I call him Stephen now. We're, we're good friends. <laughs> um, but uh, it's... Um, yeah, but uh, Stephen Strange did buy the comic. Did I'm sorry, buy uh, the apartment or the place on 177A Bleecker Street, uh, known as the Sanctum Sanctorum. A little misnomer, though. It's actually known technically as Doctor Stephen Strange's mansion. The Sanctum Sanctorum is actually only. I'm, I don't have glasses, but actually, it's only the third floor where he does a lot of his meditation, a lot of his esoteric, um, you know paraphernalia exist the whole place is kind of known as the sanctum but it's really technically only the third floor uh, as per the, the the official marvel wiki and the encyclopedias but i mean i absolutely love it and um you know not only moving away from i don't want to move too far away from greenwich village and dr strange area but actually not too far from here if you know, we'll pass it on our drive, I promise, is if you go to Washington Park, Washington Park Arch now is a Krakowin Gate. So I wanted to oh. just I wanted to just mention that in the new current Jonathan Hickman run. Um and before of we uh, uh, the new Jonathan Hickman run of, of X-Men, I'm sorry. Uh the Washington Park uh arch is now a Krakowin gate. So uh we'll see that. But you you can keep you can try, but you know, me and Amy have tried a lot. We cannot get into that place. Yeah, unfortunately it is only yeah. available for passage through uh if you have the X gene, the the mm. mutant uh identifier. Or like oh. a uh, Chase Rewards Plus card, I think. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. I haven't read all the, the fine print. But uh, if you are super interested in Doctor Strange and the Sanctum Sanctorum and Greenwich Village as a character, uh, there's a comic out there in a whole series that I really wanted to recommend. Um, and very simply put, it's Jason Aaron's run of Doctor Strange. Um, I've read an insane amount of Doctor Strange uh, in, you know, so far in my, in my life. And uh, this for me feels like the best version of, you get a lot of the, his neighborhood and his neighbors. And also you get to really explore the Sanctum Sanctorum. So that's, uh, you guys want to read it. Uh, and if we can bring up that asset in a second for everyone so they can see it, it's going to be uh, Jason Aaron's run of Doctor Strange there. And that's that's his fridge that you guys are all seeing there. That's the, is I think it's the Bichaleo cover, I believe. Uh, Chris Bichalo. Oh, Bichalo. Yeah, Chris Bichalo cover. I believe he's the interior. He might have done the cover. This isn't actually the number one. This is the cover for number two. I just love it because uh, when you read Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange, the uh, fridge is its own character and it's incredible and it's fun. It looks like Stephen Strange has sandworms in his fridge. He um, might, yes. <laughs> I mean, you don't know. He, yeah, it's the home of, uh, you know, multiple, multiple dimensions. So why not stick a dimension in the fridge? <laughs> now, we do have a question coming in uh, from one of our chats. Cassidy, would you like to pass that along to our tour guide, Paul? Yes. Um, we had a question from Mapis on uh, Facebook who wanted to know, is there a Doctor Strange omnibus that you can um, suggest to him? Um, there are a couple of Doctor Strange omnibuses. I'm sure that you could get. It really depends on what you want to read. If you just want, of course, any Doctor Strange, definitely start at the beginning. Um, you know, honestly, with the 
original, original Doctor Strange, I think you're looking at, I think that's 68, I believe. I think that uh, someone will fact check me. And so th- I thank you in advance. I think that's 1968. But um, I, I actually don't, I don't know why I don't personally collect omnibuses. I have a, just a ton of different graphic novels um, all over. And I, I'm sorry I couldn't be much more help, but there definitely are Doctor Strange omnibuses out there. It just really depends on what version of Doctor Strange you want to read. So um, there is, I think maybe except with the last 10 years, I haven't seen an omnibus, but there definitely is like the, you know, True Believers Doctor Strange that you can read. And it's all of the, um, some of all of the original stories, of course. From from Strange Tales, specifically before he even got his own individual title. Yes, from Strange Tales. I think that's 116, I believe. Um, again, someone will fact check me. <laughs> I think that's 116. But um, yeah, so from from there on out, Strange Tales, um, you know, there's plenty of Doctor Strange out there. Great question, though. All, All right. right. So Got I everyone? think we're going to... Yeah, we, we're going to... We didn't lose anyone to the Sanctum? Or Everyone's to the good? snakes. Oh, the, yeah. He does have some very chatty snakes. If they start talking to you, don't talk back. Um, right. We're going to take a, a little trip up uh, a little northward towards Hell's Kitchen. Now, don't let the name fool you or scare you. Um, it is under the watchful, vigilant eye of a number of superheroes. Uh, but yes. first, if you guys find yourself on uh, 485 West 46th Street, please do try to mind the broken glass and the swearing you might hear from the upper floors. <laughs> uh, this is the home of one Jessica Jones, who is a very, very uh, skilled private investigator who is very, very good at throwing people through windows. So you're going to want to watch out for that. She did formerly work with the Avengers under the heroic name Jewel, but if you bring this up to her, you'll be the next one tossed out the door. Um, Still, if you need a missing persons case uh, solved or you want to spy on other superheroes with secret identities like Captain America and Spider-Man, then she's the one to call. Uh, That is very famously she, well... She did uh, spy on Captain America, but she refused to spy on Spider-Man, much to the chagrin of J. Jonah Jameson, who had hired her, and she wasted his money. Uh, That is one of my all-time favorite single issues of a comic. Uh, And her services are not cheap because she does have a very expensive drinking habit to maintain. Uh, There are so many fantastic Jessica Jones stories, but uniquely, up until... 2018 she had only ever been written by brian michael bendis so i'm going to recommend you go straight to the source with jessica jones for alias volume one by uh bendis and michael gatos from marvel's rated m for mature max imprint so this is not for the faint of heart she very famously opens her book on a swear word that kind of put jessica jones on the scene um if you are looking for modern jessica jones that was not written by bendis though kelly thompson is the writer to go to and that would be blind spot and purple daughter um Fantastic character, very young character, all things considered. She did debut in 2001, uh, so she's not yet old enough to buy herself a drink in terms of publication (laughs) dates. Sorry, Jess. Uh, But if you find yourself roaming in Hell's Kitchen at night, just rest assured you're still safe because you are under the vigilant watch of the devil of Hell's Kitchen. As mysterious as he is territorial, Daredevil keeps tight surveillance on about 20 by 4 blocks of town, protecting it from uh, crime families like the Libris Gang, Leland Owlsley, the Stromwinds, and Wilson Fisk himself, who is now the mayor of Hell's Kitchen. Uh, On a completely unrelated note, though, if you do need legal assistance in Hell's Kitchen uh, due to some unprovoked attacks you might experience Mm -hmm. at night, uh, the offices of Nelson and Murdoch are nearby. Um, 
Good good luck getting a hold of that Murdoch guy. He's always out of town, or I no, you know what? I never see him, and he's always bruised up. He must be a boxer or something. Yeah, you know, it, it runs in the family. But you know, he's definitely <laughs> not Daredevil because I went to a Christmas party with him, and he had a sweater that said "I am not Daredevil." Uh, that's from the the famous uh, Somni run on the character. That's that all I need. That's, that's all the confirmation I need. Yes. Um, so again, there are dozens of Daredevil stories to recommend if you're looking for uh, him, and of course, there's the classic Frank Miller stuff. There's the Charles Soule run. Which which was more focused on the legal side because Charles Soule himself is a lawyer. Um, but I want to recommend a run that has been blowing me away continually, not only because of how important Daredevil is to the story, but how important Hell's Kitchen is to the story as a place and as a political war ground by the, mm-hmm. the mafia families of Hell's Kitchen. And that is Daredevil Volume 1 to No Fear by Chip Zdarsky and Marco, Marco Cicchetto, excuse me. Um, and again, it, it, is a battle for the very soul of Hell's Kitchen itself. Um, beautiful, beautiful story, and it is a a sharp turn from Chip Zdarsky's typical uh, humor. Yes. So it is. I highly recommend it, um, especially if you're looking for a good jumping on point for Dare- Daredevil in the modern age. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah so. it's, a, it's a great story. I mean, you know, again, if I believe uh foggy nelson is is handing out business cards if anyone needs them uh please hurry though we've the bus has got to get going <laughs> all right yeah, everyone's in <laughs> when they say if you if you can't stand the heat then get out of hell's kitchen so we will yeah. be taking uh, a trip across town to midtown actually oh. Yes, so we'll be in Midtown, um, a, a, you know, a bit of the upper city as well. You know, we've got the the big A there. Everyone knows what that means. It's Ant Man. No, it's not Ant Man. <laughs> it <laughs> he is. He wishes. Uh, he wishes. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, very famously the, I would say one of the more, um, populated areas of superheroes in all of Manhattan and New York is Midtown and the you know and whatnot. And of course, we've got the A there because. The Avengers, you know, the, we've got Avengers Mansion there, and there always seems to be something stirring. So we won't uh, keep everyone too late. If you look up, you'll probably see someone swinging around. Promise. Um, but more so than the Avengers Mansion, I want to take everyone to a very famous and a very iconic building, the Baxter Building. Um, great timing, Chris. That was great. If everyone will look, let's let's go to the right. If everyone will look on your right, um, we've got the Baxter Building. The Baxter Building is a 35-story building located at 42nd Street and Madison Avenue. Uh, that actually does exist. You can you can go there and see it now. It's not the Baxter Building. I don't think the Fantastic Four are there, but I'm also in California right now, so I couldn't tell you definitively. I mean, I mean, we're we're in New York. I'm sorry. I just, I, just I, I went in and out of that facade real fast. We're with the East East Coast Avengers, not the West Coast Avengers. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yes. Um, moving right along. <laughs> so. Um, it looks like um yeah so in the united states it's it's a uh this is a pretty prominent and pretty busy area of new york uh specifically it's actually really close to the united nations that's why um reed richard says he built it there just in case because there they have tons of diplomats coming in and out of the baxter building all the time um now of course the most famous uh residence of this of course is marvel's uh first family the fantastic four but it hasn't just been occupied by the Fantastic Four. Um, in the fourth volume of Amazing Spider-Man, I believe it's probably about 15 years ago or so. Uh, oh, no, not 15 years ago. I'm sorry. Like five to 10 years ago or so, it was actually home to Parker Industries before Parker Industries went under. Uh, unfortunately, you know, 
you know, he, he's always hanging out with his buddy Spider-Man, that Peter Parker. I don't know what he was doing. Bad influence. <laughs> sure was. Yeah, but I really wanted to take everyone through. Uh, if we can uh, hop back over to the Baxter building real fast. I, I did have uh, a fun guide to the layout of the Baxter building that I thought was really interesting. So anyone right now, even if you'd like, there is a gift shop. You can go right uh, to the to the central floor. There is a uh, Java coffee there, I I imagine. But you can only go to floors one through thirty, which is you know just normal businesses and whatnot. Because floors thirty one through thirty five are actually the headquarters of the Fantastic Four. Um, on the thirty first floor, we've got the actual living quarters for the Fantastic Four. That's where they all live, and a lot of times you'll see them really kind of just hanging out if they need to stay in the Baxter Building if they're not on Yancey Street. Um, now, we also have on the 32nd floor, the medical lab, library, and the conference room on the 33rd floor. That's um, a very important aspect of the Fantastic Four. That's Reed Richards' lab, um, which you can make the case that's also his living quarters. Uh, that guy basically lives there. And then we have, of course, the 34th floor, which is technically the actual headquarters because this is where the comm centers are, the briefing room, and, of course, the monitors monitoring uh, not only the world, but of course, very locally, New York City. Then on the 35th floor, which is the last floor before the roof, we've got the many, many vehicles of the Fantastic Floor, uh, Fantastic Four, which are... St- <laughs> you think I mean, they I- call their living quarters the Fantastic Floor? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Let's just pretend we wrote that in um, on purpose. And uh, so on the 35th floor is the uh, are the vehicles of the Fantastic Four, um, and they are stored here, and they also can... Uh, build new vehicles and repair the existing ones. And then the next thing you've got is the roof with their helipad and whatnot. Um, now, if you are looking at, if you're looking to get a really, really great sort of centralized story about the Fantastic Four and their family dynamic, but also the ins and outs of the Baxter building, I really could not recommend enough the Fantastic Four run by Jonathan Hickman. Um, this is an incredible story. Um, pretty i mean pretty iconic story i'm sure if there's some of some of you out there have read it if not this is your comics hall homework of the week uh, <laughs> go read this um you know jonathan hickman did such an incredible job the art is fantastic but it really does a good job of sort of not only reinstituting the family dynamic of just the solid four but you've also got um I believe it. Oh, it's uh, Valerie. Oh, my. I just. Oh, Franklin and Valerie. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Franklin and Valerie Richards, who are their two kids. So. <laughs> I was like, what do you need, Paul? What do you need? <laughs> Amy, please. Uh, but yeah, I. you can definitely um, pick that book up. I could not recommend it enough. Uh, if you This Jonathan Hickman kids go in places, so you're going to want to jump on this book. I'm sorry. It's Valeria. Valeria Richards. Oh, it's Valeria. I thought it was Val. Yeah, we were, you know. It's Franklin and Valeria. I know. Franklin I was like, it didn't Valeria. sound right yes. when I said that. Um. Also but, fun to note is some other superheroes have been members of the Fantastic Four over this, oh yeah. over time. I mean, I'm going to use this as my segue to um, steal a, a notice at She-Hulk. She-Hulk did join the Fantastic Four at one point, um, and her she does work in law offices in Midtown for uh, Goodman, Kurtzberg, Lieber, and Holloway, which are the um, actual last names of people like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. It's it's Lieber and Kurtzberg. Um, so there's a lot of lawyers in New York if you need if you need any of them at any time. <laughs> yeah, there she was. She Hulk wasn't part of our segment, but I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, even more recently, we've had a uh, Wolverine in the recent Empire event has been part of the Fantastic Four, Spider Man, uh, Ice Man, uh, this Bobby Drake. So you know, I I, I think they're uh, not 
you know, sticklers for that whole four part <laughs> of their name. But, but they um, are very much a family. They no are matter very who much joins a, them. Yeah. You know, it's as Reed Richards once said, I imagine when you're here, you're family. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's exactly that's that the him? Fantastic Four's motto. Sure. It, it sure is. Um, <laughs> all right, everyone, please back on the bus. Amy's take us to our next location, please. All right. So now we are headed all the way up to the top end of Manhattan uh, for a little neighborhood you might have heard of called Harlem. Uh, from your friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man to the Devil of Hell's Kitchen, people in the Marvel Universe love their hometown heroes. And I think that there is none more so celebrated as a hometown hero as Luke Cage, the hero for hire who protects his home turf of Harlem. Uh, it is a vibrant center for black culture in New York, and Harlem is home to Luke Cage's hero for hire headquarters, which was relocated from the Gem Theater in Times Square uh, when uh, Cage and Monica Rambeau as Spectrum led the Mighty Avengers. However, the Gem Theater did get blown up, and they needed a new uh, business place. Harlem is also where Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage's wife, and their daughter, Danielle, live in an apartment building that is unfortunately frequently trashed uh, by supervillains because it is very tough to rent in Marvel's New York. <laughs> I would, and Damage Control is the uh, superhero insurance uh, company kind of that deals with these incidents, but I am sure that their premiums are through the roof. Uh, <laughs> Almost literally. <laughs> Almost literally, uh, especially with the amount of people that Jessica's throwing through windows. But if you want to pay a visit to Harlem in Marvel Comics, then look no further than Power Man and Iron Fist Volume 1, The Boys Are Back in Town by David <laughs> F. Walker and Sanford Green. You may recognize this duo, not not uh, Danny and Luke, but the duo of David Walker and Sanford Green from uh, another Harlem-based comic book that I love, Bitterroot. Uh, so this That's is this is a turf that they're yes, <laughs> the Eisner-winning yes. uh, Bitterroot. But this is a team at a a turf that they they work on frequently. Um, and and I love that the volume is called The Boys Are Back in Town. There is no better indication of this legendary comics bromance. Um, yes. This is the most modern uh, revitalization of the team. And Danny Rand and Luke Cage remount their heroes for higher business after it had been uh, disbanded and destroyed and also appropriated by Deadpool. Uh, I'm sure they'll be hearing from their lawyers uh, on Deadpool's Deadpool stealing the heroes for higher business name. Jessica Jones begs Luke not to get back into it with Danny because on only fun happens when uh, Power Man and Iron Fist are on the scene. But I just I love this this book and I love this art team so much. And not only can you see Luke's apartment in the series, but you can also see his class, uh, his cast of classic villains with a modern spin. Nice. Uh, absolute master creators of Walker and Green. They're just fabulous and and it is it is a sweet christmas in harlem every day uh but this is this is such a fun uh series and place and it and it really is mostly focused in on luke cage as his home turf um but for marvel cinematic universe fans who might be wondering yes harlem is indeed the site that was trashed by the hulk and abomination in the hulk film and it was of course the backdrop for the luke cage live action netflix series so you'll want to you'll want to check that out if you are headed up to east harlem in the Marvel Universe. And that is the last stop on our talking tour of Marvel's New York. There are so many other places and addresses that we could have stopped at, but I think Paul and I have a couple restraining orders against us for some of these. Well, uh, you, they say stalking. We call it obsessively shadowing and researching. I call it doing what Jessica Jones does, but she gets paid for it. Uh, yeah, so this this exactly. was just one uh, brief kind of uh journey through the marvel universe uh again the world outside your window it is your universe and it is so much fun and you know that always leaves us more uh tour points to hit up next time sure we have does. a new york con 
so we're not done just yet because mm-hmm. we do have a couple of Comics Hall classic staples, but we thank you guys for for being so attentive on our tour and keeping your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Yes, Hope you enjoyed uh, and get to meet some... <laughs> tip jar is on your right. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, Paul. Uh, yeah, hopefully this will in- encourage you and inspire you to meet some new heroes and, and reminisce over uh, how how fun this city is in the fictional yes. realm uh, oh. when we aren't necessarily there celebrating a convention. Um, And I always do have to wonder, because Jessica Jones is based in Hell's Kitchen and so is the Javit Center. Does she see the cosplayers? Like, I... I need mm. to know that story of when she... I'm sure she hates it. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, if anyone can tell me if she hates it or not, it's probably you. Like, you know her <laughs> psyche better than anyone I know. So yeah, oh, I'm yeah. sure she is not a fan. <laughs> oh yeah, especially when she sees someone rocking the, the white and blue leotards she used to wear for the Avengers. But we do have our Holler at the Hall segment where we ask you guys a question. You holler right back at us and we do share your answers because we do love uh, getting to talk with you guys about comics and what you're reading and what you're doing. Yep. Uh, so Paul, do you want to introduce the question that we asked him last week? Sure do. So last week we had asked all of you in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, uh, what is the most valuable comic book you own or in your collection? Uh, this can be monetary, so it's like you spend a ton of money on it, or uh, sentimental. You know, what is the most valuable uh, comic book in your collection to you? Uh, we got some really, really great responses. Um, let's start with uh, Douglas Goring. Uh, he has Infinity Gauntlet issue number one, which is the first comic he ever bought, and he hasn't stopped reading comics since that is a i mean that, that's a good one to start with i'd say i wish i started with that i don't even i mean to be honest i think i started mid like you know mid green lantern run of jeff johns oh no way way before that so uh <laughs> I, I i didn't start with such an iconic run so douglas uh that, that, that's a great book to start on uh next up brandon cotton shared i have cherished this since i bought it i want to have it graded and just not sure how to do it it is fantastic for number 52 the first appearance of t'challa slash black panther wakanda and vibranium so that is a big heavy hitter issue i do love uh we are showing the picture of the cover that brandon provided i love that uh classic um human torch like the really weird texture that they have for him as the like flaming uh entity i really like that so that was great thank you so much for submitting a picture and we do hope that you find a way to get it graded um we don't have the exact expertise but comic book stores can help you with that um And uh, so, someone, uh, and actually, and I don't have the name of the uh, Let Your Geek Set Show Facebook group member, but actually provided him instructions saying, hey, this is how oh. I get my book CGC'd um, and whatnot. So, Brandon, um, let us know if you do get it graded. And I we would love, you know, tag me and Amy. We would love to see, you know, what it gets scored and how it looks like when it's all slabbed. So, um, you know, let us know. Get back to us. And lastly, uh, we've got Mark uh, Fakery. This is a book very near and dear to my heart as well i don't own it but he said mark fakery said the grail of my collection showcase number 22 the first appearance of hal jordan his favorite comic book character uh so not only is it an incredibly iconic cover uh it is the first appearance of an incredibly iconic you know famously one of the most famous dc characters but also uh it's also the first appearance of abin sir and that whole backstory of how hal jordan actually received the ring um, and that is a pretty great rating uh, already for this book. Uh, this book is a little bit old. It's older than me, I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> but that is a legitimate grail piece. So I wanted that to headline the show. Not that the other ones aren't fantastic, but that is uh, one I would say that's not only probably has sentimental value, but that one will cost you a pretty penny. So that is a valuable comic book right there. Now, Paul, what's your answer to the most valuable book in your collection question? <laughs> 
So my answer is I I don't know what I did with it. It's actually behind me, but I just got this for my birthday today. Um, it is a 9.0 new Teen Titans number two, which is the first appearance of Deathstroke. Um, and hold on, give me a second, Amy. I'm going to get it. Okay. This will be a special treat for our live viewers. And if you are on the uh, podcast feedback, you can check out the video. Uh, we will uh, feature that in the blog on sideshow.com slash geek for all your um, all the video, all the uh, assets and images that we feature from this show. All right. So I'm going to see if you guys can see it. Oh, yeah. See, these backgrounds do not like it. I'll put it in front of my face. But I got it here. <laughs> oh, I promise it's real. Um, but yes, I, I'm very, very fortunate to have this book. Um, I'm it's it's honestly it has been a grail piece for me. Like for Deathstroke is one of my all-time favorite characters. Um, and so to have this is truly, truly a gift. Um Amy, what about you? Um, mine's a little bit of column A, column B. I actually don't know what the the monetary value of the book would be. Um, but it is my Thor volume four, number one, which is the first uh official Jane Foster oh, issue. Right. Um, but the reason, and it's a first printing, uh, but the reason why it's so valuable to me is because I set out with this weird delusional goal of having every person who whose name was in the, the main credits of creating the book, have them sign it. Um, wow. And, and I, I got all the five signatures I had intended to get actually last year's New York comic-con Joe Sabino, who is the letterer was the final person. And he made, the most gracious stop at our booth because I had the book and I said, you are the last one I need to sign this. Uh, but I got Jason Aaron, Russell Dodderman, Matt Wilson, uh, Will Moss, the editor and, and Joe Sabino to sign it. And the value in that probably someone would say it's valuable because of the signatures. But for me, it is the fact that I met each of those gentlemen and I got to tell them how much that book meant to me right. uh, and have a very nice experience with them. And then they so graciously signed the book. And it was, it took me, I, I want to say it took me uh, three years uh, total once from the first signature to the last to get all of them uh, together, which was real, a really fun experience. Uh, right. So that's, that's the most important and most valuable one to me. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's got some monetary value, but eh. Yeah. But this, the sentiment is, is it, it's far and away, you know, uh, you know, much more than the monetary. And if I remember correctly, that's sort of what got you re that, that book specifically is what really kind of got you back into really reading comics. Yeah, well, I was right? pulling so. I was pulling maybe two or three Marvel books, but that that book and also the regularity with which I attended the comic book store to pick up that book and and uh profess my knowledge of comic books, that's what helped me get hired at my first at my comic store job, which arguably I think helped me get hired at Sideshow and so it's all one big happy coincidence. Um so, so that so that book is extremely you, uh, valuable. Jane Foster. <laughs> thank Without you Jane Foster. Foster. You know, me and Amy aren't doing this show. Seriously. Um, now we do have a new question for you guys that is themed with this this week's show, but we will uh, get your answers on air next week. We want to know, since we did take the talking tour and you joined us so uh, steadfastly through all the different stops in the Marvel Universe, um, which superhero do you think would make the best neighbor if you lived in Marvel's New York City? I mean, Hawkeye has a building that you could rent in, uh, but sure does. who do you think would be the best neighbor? Not necessarily a roommate. It can be a roommate if you're feeling creative, but who is the best neighbor? Who would you want next door? Uh, I don't think I would want Jessica Jones next door. I will say that for sure. No. De <laughs> but you definitely guys don't want a, a Matt Murdock. I, no. I definitely don't want to live near Avengers Mansion or the Baxter building. That thing's always getting blown up. 
Well, we have some time to think about it, and you guys do too, because uh, we are about to wrap our show. But uh, just before we do, we want to thank you guys so much for joining us, not only for this special Sideshow New York Con edition of the Comics Hall, but thank you for joining us so far for the con. It is yes. going strong from October 6th to October 11th, so there is still plenty of stuff to do. Go to side.show slash con for all the convention mm-hmm. updates. Um, I am also hosting every morning live tour with a uh, rotating cast of other uh, fabulous Sideshow hosts, mm-hmm. so you can check us out there for uh, product details and stuff um but for the comics hall you can join us every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific next week we will be back to new comic book day checking out the latest releases and our pull lists um and then every thursday the uh audio format goes live on uh, all your favorite podcasting platforms as well as a blog on side.show slash geek where you can check out all of the visual assets as i mentioned plus we'll recap the panel of the week winners and we will uh revisit the comics hall question so you know uh what to respond to mm-hmm. now paul do you want to tell them where they can find us and reach out to us yes so if you lost our business card for uh you know taking you on these wonderful tours you can also contact us at the comics hall that's really you can find us at the comics hall on twitter on facebook and on instagram and now you can also if you if you are so inclined you can email us at the comics hall at sideshow.com um at any time you want you can let us know your response to the hall or the hall question you can let us know what you're reading uh, if you want to just reach out to us shower just shower us in compliments you can reach us there as well <laughs> um so uh really again you can find us at the comics hall on all major social channels that's uh twitter facebook and instagram and then at the comics hall at sideshow.com if you'd like to email us yeah and if you want to hit us up during the week also we are in the let your geek sideshow facebook group and that is where we post our panel of the week and we do post a call for the response for the holler at the hall so you can always message us there let us know what you're reading we do love talking to you and and getting to hear what you guys picked up and what we might have missed on the shelves uh so it's it's all one big happy family here at the comics hall (laughs) (laughs) all right so i think that does it for this week we do have a there is a wrap-up show for today's day of the convention in the let your geek sideshow facebook group and then we'll see you guys i'll see you guys tomorrow morning for day three of sideshow new york con yes all right i'm amy and i'm paul Thank you so much for joining us. This has been The Comics Hall. This has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show. Sideshow.